All right. Merry Christmas, everyone. Thank you. And let's go ahead and say happy birthday to Jesus on three. One, two, three. Happy birthday, Jesus. That's why we're here. There's many reasons why we celebrate Christmas. And I love the plethora of reasons that the kids have said. And one common one, of course, it's church kids. So they're saying the church answer, and that's Jesus. And for many of us here, we, we understand what it means to come and present ourselves in worship, as we, especially on a, a Christmas Sunday. It's not often that Christmas falls on a Sunday, and here you are in the presence of God, honoring God. I am so grateful for every one of you not mailing it in this morning. And some of you, maybe you were coerced here, and you think, okay, Christmas is about family, Either my dad or my mom, they come to this place called Pearlside, and there's this loud Chinese guy that yells for 30 minutes, and uh, I, I guess I'll come, you know, and it's like Christmas sometimes can be uh, obligation. We, we're obligated, we feel obligated and pressured to buy gifts, we feel obligated to have to spend time with family, but really Christmas is meant to be a blessing, and our heart and our prayer is for every single one of you to be blessed, but what does it mean to be blessed? And, and what, what is it that is so essential about Christmas? So even if you're not religious, even if you, you know, think about this person named Jesus and you don't really believe him to be the son of God, Christmas is about hope. And that's what we're going to break down today. We're going to unpack through scripture this morning as we celebrate the birth of our risen Lord and King, but the one that was born here on this earth. He was born to give us hope and not just temporal hope but a supernatural, eternal hope in which we cannot find anywhere else. And that is exactly why, I, you know, even as um, I had you all applaud for yourselves being here, really that the heroes, uh, I just want to honor for a quick second because some of our team members were out here at 12 o'clock setting up in the courtyard. We had a Christmas Eve service last night. It was so beautiful. And then getting maybe a few hours of sleep. Uh, at the end, we're going to have refreshments, by the way, but the coffee, really, I, I got it for them. Poor guys. They're, they're back out here this morning worshiping, getting ready, setting up. We got our hero, Steve, back there, just walked out the door because, you know, he just likes to keep things low-key. But uh, Steve rallied the team and, and, you know, our, our media team, our sound team, um, the worship team, the ushers, the greeters, uh, many of the people that went into setting up and even uh, Cheyenne and helping decorate this place. These trees, they didn't grow here on stage by, by, uh, by chance, but uh, we have a, a mighty team. So can we give our team some love? Thank you. They, they basically sp spent Christmas weekend here, you know, in a sleeping bag, pretty much. So grateful for every one of you, team, for being here. And then there's people, I'm looking in the congregation, that came back from last night. They were here worshiping, and then they came back again for more. So for those of you who are new, it cannot be that bad, right, for them to have come back, unless they're a glutton for punishment and pain. No, that's not true. <laughs> and, and, but there's a reason why they came back. And even as we are going to go into Luke chapter 2, we're going to look at Mary and Joseph and, and, and the baby that's to come named Jesus. But also what we're going to read is about shepherds. And these shepherds, they didn't just see Jesus once. But there's something so amazing about this person, this baby being born named Jesus that we're going to read how they came back again. And so let's go uh, together 
If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 2, but if you, you don't have your Bibles, don't worry. Um, we have it on screen for you to follow along. And so we're going to look at verse 8, and we're going to read through verse 20. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Like some of you are terrified right now of being in church, but you don't have to be. And, and then after that, it says, if, if I can find my, this is what happens when you make jokes in the middle of reading scripture. You lose your place. I promise this didn't happen last night. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. And that's why for, for those of you who are newer here and you're like, man, this person next to me is really singing loud. And this, the people on stage, they, they seem so happy. Why is everyone so happy here? They must have drank a lot of coffee this morning. No, it's because we're celebrating something so significant that it changed the history of mankind. And it's causing great joy for all the people. And our heart and prayer is that joy will fill your hearts as well. And every single one of us. Great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Messiah. Messiah means Savior, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, and peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning, uh, concerning what had been told to them about the child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Verse 20, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And there's something that happens when we are humble enough to receive your word, that what happens after that is joy comes and praise and glorifying your great name happens. Just as Jesus, you were born over 2,000 years ago, we thank you, God, that even in this moment, hope, joy, faith can be born in a single moment because of the miracle of who you are. And so we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So for those of you new, we're, we're not done. That was just the opening prayer for the message. You're like, man, I love this church. We're going to be dismissed already. But there's so much more. You, you, you don't want to leave yet because there's so much more to this. And we're going to unpack together why was hope born 2,000 years ago. And, and here's the thing. It you know, in verse 20 of Luke chapter 2, when we ended that passage of reading of Scripture, it mentioned that they came back. They didn't just experience Jesus one time, but they came back. They wanted to continue to experience who this Jesus was, 
and it says that it, it happened exactly as they were told. And in that moment, angels appeared to them. The angels told them about the Savior, the Messiah, the chosen one being born. Well, that's in reference to all the messianic prophecies that have come hundreds of years prior to Jesus being born. The people were waiting for hope to finally come. See, during that time, people were living oppressed. They were living without hope. They were living in despair. But there's prophetic words that ushered in this eternal hope that God was going to bring through his son, Jesus. And one of the major prophets of the Bible, Isaiah, uh, that prophesied about the coming of Jesus about 700 years ago, uh, not from us, but 700 years before the birth of Jesus, foretold the coming of Jesus. And we're going to go ahead and, and look at that now as it, we break down why is Jesus' birth so significant. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 declares, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive, give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. Is that a typo? Because I thought you were saying that his name is Jesus. And see, Jesus is so big that you cannot just identify him and put him in the box with one name. You know, you, you thought Prince was a, the greatest artist, right, that, that lived. For those of you who are Prince fans, you don't have to cheer or yell. We're not here celebrating Prince today. But Prince is so big, he turned his name into a symbol. Well, Jesus is so big that there's many names in which we call and refer to him because he's everything to us. And so we're going to look at some of these names in the next uh, verse that we're going to read in Isaiah. But we're going to focus on this, the significance of this uh, immediate one in front of us, Emmanuel. It's more than just a, a nice sounding name. Emmanuel means God with us. And that is significant because God is choosing to be with us. But what I want to um, turn our attention to is that in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2 to 6, it says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned for to us. Everyone say, for to us. This is big. For to us. So look at your neighbor and say, it's for you. So I'm going to read it from the top with, with that in mind now. Because some of us are thinking, oh, it's for other people. No, it's for you. It's for every single one of us. It's for me. It's for you. So from the top of Isaiah chapter 9, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Praise God. So some of us right now, maybe we feel like we're in darkness. And I didn't tell the, uh, the, the media team to turn down the lights to accentuate that. But that's what it feels like in our life. You know, it feels, it feels like our, our workplace, when we show up, it's dark. It feels like when we wake up at home, it is dark. But the beauty is when we have Jesus, we have a great light. And those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Again, for to us, a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. So the first thing we see in the middle of this passage that I want us to realize and take hold of is that this is for us. Jesus was born for us. It's not just born for uh, the Jewish people. It's not just born for people of a certain time and a generation that has gone before us. But even today, 
How many of us are like, no, life is perfect. I'm not walking in any darkness. This is great. There's no wars happening. The economy is great. There's no pandemic. There's no diseases. And then even in our own lives, I never fight with my wife. What kind of crazy world are you living in? <laughs> even as a pastor, I'm driving and the worst fights, we, we know this, right, as ministers, not that, you know, I'm not implicating anyone in your relationship. Yeah, let's just talk about me. The, the, some of the worst fights are happening on the way to church. And I'm about to get up here and preach the word of God, for goodness sakes. Lord, help me. Not today, though. You're wondering, like, he sounds like he's in pain, you know. I'm just, it's, it's PTSD from prior fights. There have been times where we're fighting on the way to church, and I'm about to minister, and uh, my wife, um, like, it's, it's so bad. She just drops me off and then speeds off, like, in the parking lot. You know, like, she's in Fast and Furious, like, 12 or whatever number they're on now. And then everyone's like, oh, where's Blanca? Where's your wife? And I look at them in the eye, you know, I don't lie, and I said, she's not feeling well. But... <laughs> The cause of her not feeling well is not a disease, you know, like a sickness. It's her husband. <laughs> I say that because there's so much conflict that we go through in life. Even the ones that we are supposed to live most peaceably with, the ones that are supposed to support us and love us, and we're supposed to do the same unto them, it's difficult. And we need the light. We need the light, and no matter what darkness, whether it's our own marriage, our own households, our families, our workplaces, or even turning on the news, there's so much darkness, and we need this light. This light is, uh, signals hope that God brings. And God, understanding this, says in this passage that it's for unto us, for every one of us. So you thought you're coming here today because, you know, your mom, your dad, your child, they made you come. But it's really God drawing you and saying, I am here for you. And that's the significance of Emmanuel, God with us. Um, you know, we have, if you can see the stage, there's a lot of gifts here. And there's no labels on who it's for. And even last night, my kids were so excited. It was late. We got home from the Christmas Eve service. They're all like, can we open a few gifts? I'm like, ah, can we just open the bedroom door and go to sleep, please? <laughs> But, of course, you know, Christmas is about children. We celebrate the birth of Christ as a child. And, and we want our kids to experience the joy. So we said, okay, kids, go ahead. Open gifts. I'll just drink more coffee in the morning. And we wrapped so many gifts in, in such a hurry. I like how I said we, by the way. It's my wife that did it all. <laughs> she did it. She forgot to label some. And we are like, oh, my gosh. And, and it was, we didn't know who it was for. We're like, okay, if you open this, son, and it's a dress, it's not for you. Okay? Don't get mixed messages. It's not for you. And, and so sometimes we come across this idea of Jesus, and you're like, it's not for me. And, and, and you know, I don't do religion, or I, I believe in something else, or I place my hope in something else. And we're not here to knock you or make you feel condemned about that. But I, I do want to present this in a way in Scripture that it's for every one of us. Whether we believe that Jesus is for us, the truth is he came for the whole world. He came for each and every one of us. And, and, and why, when we look at the names of Christ, wonderful counselor, how many of us are just in confusion right now? 
We don't know what we're supposed to do in life. We don't know how to navigate this conflict in a relationship. Maybe we're looking at the, our bills. And it's so hard when we look at our bank account and how much money is left, or we look at our income and what's going to come this year and our salary. And then we look at our debt. We don't know what to do. Well, thank God we have a wonderful counselor. And some of us, when we look at mighty God, this is big. Because some of us are feeling so weak right now. We barely made it to church today. And, and Christmas, the holidays, it just makes us, instead of feeling joyous and celebratory, it makes us feel depressed and weak. Because we see everyone else around us singing and laughing and having a good time and shopping. But inside, we are suffering and we feel so weak and wounded. But we have a mighty God who is our strength. And in a, in a world with so many broken homes, we have a perfect father in heaven, a spiritual father. And in this, in this phrase here, everlasting father. Some of us, we've been abandoned. Some of us, we don't even know who our fathers are or we grew up with a, without a father. But God loves us so much. And the reason why Jesus came is so that we can have an eternal relationship with the everlasting father. And maybe it's not your father. Maybe your spouse left you for someone else. Maybe the, the relationships, your best friend, you've been betrayed and hurt. Well, we have a God that sees these hurts and says, I am with you. And I am your everlasting father. I will never abandon you. And of course, Prince of Peace. You know, even if there's not, um, even at the absence of, of, of wars on the outside or a pandemic, Oftentimes, the lack of peace, the wars that are going on is here. The wars that are going on are in here. And there's just so much anxiety now in the world. And, you know, you try to make an appointment with a counselor or a psychiatrist, you can't. They're like, they're booked already. I, I was talking to uh, one of the professional counselors uh, that are, uh, is a member here at this church, and her 2023 calendar is completely filled already. She has zero slots available for 2023, because this world is suffering and has no peace on the inside. People need help. And many of us are right here, right now, and God is saying, I am your, the Prince of Peace. And so here's the thing, right? A gift, it needs to be received. So if I say, hey, Lexan, I have this gift for you, Lexan could just stare at it. Now, that's nice. But, but until it's received, so come here and, and receive this gift. It's, now it's his. And so why do we, thank you, Lexan, you can sit back down. I'm going to hold on to that. I'm going to have you come back up in a moment. So why is it significant that we all receive this gift? It's because we need the hope of Jesus. When we look at what Jesus does and we look back at Isaiah 7:14, if we can have that on screen again, the name Emmanuel means God with us. So what does this mean? Some of us, we don't want to be around people because of their past and what they've done. And, and Jesus still chooses to be with us, God with us. So he sees our past and he covers our past. He forgives us of our past. And similar to Lexan receiving that gift from me, he had to take hold of it. We, even as Jesus extends forgiveness to us over our past, we need to receive that forgiveness from him. This is big. 
Because we think about it, you know, the A Christmas Carol, that movie, it's a classic, and they've remade it several times over the years. But there's something about that story that is so significant in the, uh, just the picture of a, a everyday human life. Because there are things in the past that haunt us. You know, every time we try to go to bed, it's like, Scrooge, <laughs> who said that? And, and it's like, we can't sleep at night because the things of the past, Scrooge. <laughs> Sorry, I, I watched the DuckTales one, you know, remember? <laughs> Sorry, 80s babies. How do you 80s? DuckTales. Woo-hoo. Yeah. DuckTales. Woo-hoo. And then and there's one, <laughs> Scrooge McDuck. Couldn't sleep. Scrooge. <laughs> And, and sometimes we get haunted of our past. It's like, it's like this Chinese guy making bad jokes in the middle of a message. It's haunting. <laughs> Stop it already. Go, go on with the message. But that's what we feel like with the past. The, the past keeps haunting us and following us. And no matter how much joy we try to have today, we can't because the chains of the past hold us back from experiencing the joys of today. And Jesus, when he comes and God with us, he's saying that even with all your junk, even all the things you're running from, I am right here for you. And not only am I right here for you, I come to bring healing from your past. So I know we celebrate this more in Easter, the focus of Jesus' death and resurrection, but that's the gospel message. The gospel, the full gospel is that God loves us, sees our past, sees that we will never be able to pay back this debt of sin and shame So he comes and he takes on the sin and shame of the world when he dies on the cross for us. And that's for every one of us. There's not a single one of us in here that has no shame, that has no sin. Like if I were to pass around the mic, say, everyone, say the most shameful thing you've done. Many of us, we'd make stuff up, right? We wouldn't want to say what is the most shameful thing we've done because we all have guilt in our lives. But Jesus covers it, and that's the past. But what about the present? As I said earlier, you know, even as a pastor, I go through stuff. Whether it's, you know, in, in a difficult moment with my wife, I have four kids, and there's many difficult moments with kids. Parents, we know this. You know, like, I told you this I, over and over again, and you're still like this. You're not listening. And it, sometimes it feels like we can't get through our, to our kids. And for many of us, it's our jobs. You know, we want to enjoy our job. We want to uh, like punching in and punching out and, and enjoy work, but we don't. And it's a, just going there to, to earn a paycheck. And so there are times in our lives where it's difficult to even get out of bed. And I've experienced that this year. There's just so many things going wrong in the present that when I woke up one morning, I didn't even want to leave bed. But I realized, wait a minute, Jesus has strength for me today. And we see this in Lamentations chapter 3. It says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. And great is your faithfulness. God's mercies are new every morning. And he never ceases working. His faithfulness will follow us. That's the thing. Every day when we wake up, we know, okay, even though this is unfaithful, this didn't work out, I have a God who is faithful. And I have a God who is always merciful towards me. And that's what we need every day. What about the future? As I mentioned earlier, you know, we have um, professional counselors that are fully booked because why? Because many people are, are just filled with fear. Fear oftentimes comes with uncertainty of the future. 
But what does God say? In John chapter 10, verse 28, Jesus himself says, I give them eternal life. So even in this temporal life, all things could be going uh, awry and feel like a train wreck. But God says, I give you eternal life. And then he says, and they shall never perish. It may feel like when you think about the future, whether it's a future pandemic or you're, you're, you know like there's a pink slip coming off and your whole company is going to shut down and there's this impending doom in front of you, beyond that, Jesus says you will never perish. So that very thing that you think is going to take you out is a lie from the enemy. Because as we read further, this is what Jesus himself, himself declares. No one will snatch you out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. Praise God. Isn't that comforting? That God has us in his hands. And if you picture this, if God has us in his hands and he is mightier than all, no matter what onslaught tries to come at you in the future, God is sheltering you. He's protecting you. And he promises eternal life. So all these things to say is Jesus is our eternal hope. So we are called, as he is our hope, to place our hope in him. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18 and 19 says, so God has given us both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. So hold on to that hope. And I'm wondering how many of us are struggling to do that. If we're honest, even those of us who come church every week, do we truly place our hope in Jesus? Do we really have him as an anchor in our souls? And the reason why it's so difficult is sometimes when in the beginning, I love how it's prefaced. God has given us his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. So some of us, when we heard the phrase, wonderful counselor, and we feel like, but I still haven't gotten that answer in what I'm supposed to do in this difficult situation. So God, I don't know if you're really a wonderful counselor. Some of us, you know, even in the midst of unrest and uncertainty, and we hear the name Prince of Peace, and we're still dealing with so much anxiety, and we're wondering, I don't know, God, if you really are the Prince of Peace. Some of us, after this church, surrounded by a spiritual family here, maybe we have no family to go home to. And then we feel abandoned, and we feel alone. And we're like, I don't know, God, if you're really my everlasting father. I get that. I get sometimes in this life, there is a wrestle of faith and a wrestle of what we are truly called to put our hope in. But the importance to understand is, if he is truly to be an anchor to our souls, an anchor is only effective in which it's tethered to the, the thing it's supposed to help anchor down. So you can have the best anchor in the world. There can be no other anchor like it. Anchoring an object down, stabilizing it, even in storms, even in trials, it's there. But if that anchor is separated and no longer tethered to that object in which it's trying to protect and steer away from disaster, then it's no longer effective. And so my question to you is, are you holding on to hope? 
And hope is not just an idea. It's not just this wishful thinking. Hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. And so I'm going to uh, allow us to be encouraged by an amazing testimony. Um, here at Pearlside Church, this is the downtown congregation, and we have multiple congregations that are worshiping Jesus on his birthday today. And over, helping oversee these congregations is Pastor Paris Hayashi. And him and his wife, Twinkle, we love that name, Twinkle. We love Twinkle as well as a person, but uh, she's Filipino. Filipinos have awesome names. That, that is her real name. Uh, her real name. Um, so Filipinos in the house, can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Twinkle Hayashi, what a name. So, and Paris, Paris and Twinkle. Paris and Twinkle um, were really believing for a child. They were placing their hope in that, but sometimes it's easy to let go of hope or let go of Christ because things don't really turn out the way we expect, and it's not what we wanted. And we open up that gift, and we think there's nothing there, or that's not what we requested for. But for Pastor Paris and Twinkle, they continue to hope, hold on to the hope of Jesus. Let's watch what God does and has done in their life. I grew up in the Philippines and my family immigrated here to the U.S. when I was eight. I grew up in Long Beach. My parents ended up getting divorced and in high school my father passed away when I was 18. So life was very difficult for me growing up. When I was 24, I ended up getting married and we were married less than two years. It wasn't a good marriage. It was kind of repeating what my parents had gone through. And so through that, I went through a separation and went through a divorce, and that's when I came to Pearlside. We first met the day after she got saved. And so I just started asking her questions. I said, well, she's new. Just get to know her story and get to know what she's about. And we can just develop a friendship from that. That was in 2011, and then um, he ended up proposing New Year's 2012. Eight months later, 2013, we got married, and now we've made nine years going on 10. In our marriage, uh, we really wanted children, but it just never worked out, and we tried to Go. conceive, and we tried to do some medical procedures. Uh, it never, nothing worked. Before he was gonna turn 50, we decided, okay, we should do in vitro. And we were gonna go on a cruise to Alaska for his 50th. And so the doctor said, once you return from the trip, we can start the process. Thankfully, uh, when we got back, we didn't have to go through the process because we were already pregnant. And then we came in on week nine for the first ultrasound and we didn't hear a heartbeat did another uh, ultrasound, same result. And then they gave me another option of what we can do to help the baby pass along. And then it just happened naturally at home, which was really hard. In 2019, my father passed away. And growing up, I've heard rumors about the possibility of me being adopted. And so I finally asked my mom, Am I adopted? And when I was younger, she would always say, you're mine. 
Um, so the morning after my father passed away, I decided to ask her one final time. And finally, she was able to say, yes, you are adopted. With the loss of our, our child, my father passing away, me finding out that I was adopted, that kind of became a tipping point or a trigger for us to take on fostering and adoption. And since 2020, until now, we've had 17 children come in and out of our house. And currently we have four little girls. One of them we've had since she was two days old. And her name was Selena. And I told this to Pastor Camille that I would name my first child Hope. And then when I was sitting in the, the room waiting for the doctor to come in, I saw the paper was updated that her name was Selena Hope. We didn't give her that name. I guess the mom chose to add Hope in the middle. We celebrated her birthday, and the morning after her birthday party, I felt led to go take a pregnancy test. And within seconds, it was a positive result. It was unexpected. It was unexpected. We, we weren't even trying, we weren't even planning for it. And um, the amazing thing is, I just turned 40 in October. From my personal journey growing up and not having a purpose, not having a future, and God redeeming my life and turning it around. Like, who am I that, that God would love me this much, that He would redeem my story and use me to be a blessing to these kids? You know, kids that are not ours, that He would entrust us with their lives. A lot of them come from broken families, come from difficult situations. There's a lot of fear that they go through just like I did growing up, being abandoned or not loved and coming from nothing. When I look back at my upbringing, they never made me feel like I was adopted. And I think that's the feeling we want to convey when these children come into our home we want to love them and make them feel like they're our own. You want a girl? Oh, or a boy? Yeah. Oh, you want a girl or a boy? Oh, no, no. oh you want a boy? Yeah, right here. I want a boy. to actually adopt the four that we currently have and open up our home for more fosters. This place that we were given, we know this, it wasn't just for us, and we know it's for the next generation.
I love um, the, the testimony of the Hayashi household. You could really see Jeremiah 29, 11 working through. That God had a plan all along. And now it's to give them a hope and a future. And not only that, but it goes beyond them. And just how they've been such a blessing to all these foster kids. And, and now they have one of their own on their way in the womb. And in the womb of our hearts, God wants to bring that same hope inside each and every one of us. And sometimes as we go through things, I mean, and you, you just think about Twinkle's story alone, going through divorce. And, and she didn't even go into details of that, but I know a little bit more about that. And if she went into just the realities of what she experienced in that former relationship, you'd think, wow, it seems hopeless. But yet she continued to hold on to hope. And then same thing with Pastor Paris. All that he went through that year, uh, before he decided to, him and Twinkle, to start fostering kids, it, you could have easily justified him going the opposite way, abandoning all hope and just losing all faith. But he, they continued to hold on, even to that which was not seen. And in Romans chapter 8, it's, Scripture declares, For in this hope we were saved, referring to in the hope of who Jesus is. In this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. And many of us, we're just impatient. And that's why we've abandoned hope. Many of us, we think, God, if you are real, appear before me. Make this happen right now. And he doesn't appear or he doesn't come through in our timing. And we lose hope. We don't wait for it patiently. And we've let go of hope. But for him to be truly an anchor to our souls, we need to fully commit and fully hold on to that anchor. So that no matter what is happening around us, we will always have our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting father, and our prince of peace. Why? Because he is Emmanuel. He is God with us. So the question today is, are we with him? Do we hold on to him? Whether you're new here, or maybe you just come in and out of the church, or you come every week, are we holding on to him as the anchor of our soul? So I close with this story. Um, it was about 12 years ago, uh, before I moved back to Hawaii. I was in Los Angeles. Uh, my wife and I, we already had a baby, and we had one more on the way. And I thought there's, uh, I ate some bad, you know, this is Los Angeles, right? There's a lot of great taco places, but I, I thought I had some bad tacos, you know, maybe some rotten carne asada or something like that. And uh, my stomach started to hurt. And I remember driving home from ministering at the Cal State Northridge. Come on, CSUN. <laughs> uh, Cal State Northridge, ministering to some students, driving home. And I thought my seatbelt was on too tight or I was gaining some weight, you know? It's like the holiday pounds of packing on and I just felt like ah it really hurts right here and then that that pain kept building and building and building and then that night I couldn't sleep and my wife was saying you better go to the ER this this sounds serious and I didn't have any health insurance and I'm Chinese and so I was like there's no way I'm gonna go to the ER you're crazy and she said you better go to the ER because if you die, are you crazy? You know, don't leave me a widow. And she didn't say that, but the Holy Spirit spoke to me. I, as I was laying on the couch in pain, because I couldn't even sleep that night, the Holy Spirit said, don't make your wife a widow. 
And so I woke up my wife, and I said, hey, I, you better take me to the ER. But the funny thing is, I got to the, the hospital parking lot, and I sat there. She's like, we're here. I'm like, I know. I wouldn't get out of the car. I didn't want to go to the ER. I thought I could tough it out in the morning. I can place my hope in something else. You know, like uh, we have a doctor in the church. I'll go see him in the morning. But the pain kept building. And so I got out of the car and I walked through the automatic doors of the ER. And then the security looked at me. I looked at him and I turned around and I walked back out. And I walked back into the car. My wife's like, what's going on? I was like, I think I can make it to the morning and I'll call Dr. Thompson in the morning and it's going to be okay. She's like, are you sure? And I said, no, because <laughs> I was in so much pain. It felt like someone was stabbing me. And so I said, okay, I better go back in. So I went back in, sliding doors open. I made eye contact with the security again and I turned back around and I left and I went back in the car. And at this point, the security must have thought I was on some drugs, some, you know, crack cocaine or something like it just he was like what's wrong with this guy he's going back and forth and I went back in the car my wife was like what's wrong with this guy why is he going back and forth so finally she yells at me just get in there already and as you know good husbands we say yes dear and I went back in a third time sliding doors open and I finally allowed myself to be treated by the the, the medical professionals there the, the ER doctor and everything and it seemed, it seemed like this ridiculous situation because I'm there, I'm in pain, the lights are super bright, like I should have asked the nurse to turn off the lights, I had no sleep, it's like 5 a.m., I'm still in pain, I'm distraught, and you just hear all the medical devices and everything, and it just seemed like such a hopeless situation. But unbeknownst to me, my appendix exploded, I needed an appendectomy like immediately. And they rushed me into emergency surgery, and they were able to administer all the help that I needed. But it was only through going through the ER. Waiting, like Dr. Thompson is not a surgeon. And Dr. Thompson would not have taken me in until later on. But I needed hope, I needed healing in that very moment. And here's the thing, many of us, we treat our faith in Christ and holding on to him as our hope. Some of us, we treat church and our relationship with God the very same way. Where the sliding door of Easter or Christmas, we walk on through, and then we quickly turn back around. And then after that, when we need him, we walk in through, and we turn back around. And we aren't really living the everlasting hope, the everlasting Father, this relationship that God wants us to have is not just on some days, but it's every day. It's not just some days we can deal with the darkness and then we need some light, but God gives us light. God gives us strength. God gives us faith to trust in Him every day. And this is for all of us, for unto us our Savior is born. So I'm going to go ahead and, and um, as we close our eyes and bow our heads in prayer, I want to pray for us right now.